What's up? Welcome back to Stickerbook, a low effort podcast I made while I'm waiting for my various games finished download. I'm your host, Phoenix. A couple years ago, I read this manga um, called Oyasumi Poon Poon. It was a really bizarre story with an even more bizarre art style, but what the story was about was about this ruthless depiction of growing up. And I say ruthless because it really was ruthless. Our character, Poon Poon, he goes from this childlike innocence into a type of stone-cold nihilism that borders on some pretty terrible stuff. The entire story really skirts around these terrible issues, and it explains it in such a mature and well-thought-out way that the story really sticks with me, even today. Everything from suicide to abuse, it really is a fantastic story. I think that we tend to ignore how difficult it is, this process of growing up, this process of maturing. What we're basically doing is we are forging ourselves in some type of fire, aren't we? And we're hoping that what comes out the other side is steel and not um, really fucked up raw iron. And in a way, we need to become steel to deal with the world that we live in, don't we? Those who don't go through the tempering process, those who come out the other side and they aren't hard as steel, well, they don't make it, do they? It's very difficult to come out the other side, still be soft, still be tender, and still keep that innocence intact. And as time goes on, and as you meet more people, that innocence will, it will leave you. Your soul, your heart, it will become twisted in a way. And I guess the real question is, is it wrong to become twisted like this? Hmm. Complicated question. I took a month off from doing pretty much anything. Not work, of course, because I have to, but during this month, I um, I did a lot of self-reflecting. Not depressive self-reflecting, um, but I did a lot of digging into who I am and why I am. All the questions that I brought up on the previous episodes, I took the time over this month to tackle them on my own, and I've come to some unsettling answers. Nothing that's, like, devastating at all. At the end of the day, I'm still put together, I think. But I'm put together like a bad weld, a bunch of hot spots that connected properly, but the rest of it still has holes. I'm not perfectly joined together like I would like to be. And I think that bothers me, but I'm glad I took the time to think about it. I'm glad I took the time to find the answers to these questions. It's difficult to admit to yourself that you still have more growing to do. And it sounds so generic too. You have more growing to do? Like you want some fucking rose water? Well, come do some fucking yoga with me. <laughs> but there's this internal system inside of all of us. I say system. It's more like an internal person, isn't it? Your inner voice. And it's staggering how separate this inner person is from the person you portray. I talked um, a few times on here about this idea of the mask that we wear to fit into society. The mask can be complicated, it can be simple, um, but we all have some type of mask that we wear, a persona of sorts. And this inner voice, this inner person that's inside of you, you're the only person who hears this inner person like 90% of the time. And it takes, it takes so much effort to pull that inner person out and for them to become the mask. In short, becoming true to yourself in a way. And that bothers me. It bothers me that it's so difficult to be sincere. It bothers me that we have to hide our worries and our pain and our struggles because it's not normal to express them. But that's just the way things are. And while people have been worrying and struggling with how to deal with this for hundreds of years, I feel like we are in the unique position right now in this day and age to tackle this issue. But I don't think we're going to. This inner voice 
it's become a type of commodity, a privilege. If you're allowed to hear someone's inner voice, you are on the inside in no way anyone else has been. Well, that's what you feel like, but that's not necessarily true. As I think more about the people that I interacted with um, this year alone, I can't help but feel like sometimes you can just be overly open, dumping the entire basket of your mental issues in your past on somebody hoping that they'll deal with it. Or maybe it's a defense mechanism of sorts. A hedgehog dilemma. <laughs> I'm still not ready to talk about the hedgehog's dilemma. But. but we tend to have this habit of coming up, well, not even we. I don't know why I say we. I think it's minority people. I don't, I don't think normal people do this. I'm pretty sure normal people bottle their emotions. I'm pretty sure that's normal. I'm pretty sure it's normal to grit your fucking teeth and just wait for it to pass. You sit there and you cope and you let it happen in hopes that it'll be better later. Things will get fixed later. You don't have to deal with this right now, you can deal with it later. But I think there's there's a subset of us that don't know how to keep certain things to ourselves. And it's not it's not like it's a bad thing to share, it's not a bad thing to open up. But when you open up to everybody, when your inner voice becomes your mask, th th this thing that I said bothered me because I thought it was impossible, turns out there's a reason why people don't do that. This difficulty of juggling what is socially acceptable to talk about versus what you really want to talk about is something that I really can't begin to wrap my head around. I'm usually somebody that sides on the, um, I side in the faction that says we should talk about whatever, whenever or however. It doesn't fucking matter. The topic can be hard as shit. It doesn't matter what the fucking topic is. I don't care if it's race. I don't care if it's sexuality. I don't care if it's mortality. I, I don't care. Religion. It doesn't matter. We should be able to talk about these things. We should have the freedom to. And your inner voice, that you that struggles with all these issues, should feel free to come forward with these problems and express yourself in a way that helps you resolve them. But that's not usually what fucking happens. Usually what happens is that these people flit around like butterflies, going from fucking flower to flower, dumping all of their issues and then not doing anything about it. How do you have a problem that you're not willing to tackle? Well, I guess everyone does. After all, if the problem is too severe, you move to a different fucking problem. But that's not what you're doing. You're getting this one issue, you're fighting over this one issue, and you don't, you don't fix it. <laughs> you fail to fix it. You fail to do anything. You dump all your problems out onto the fucking table. You tell the person, hey, these are my problems. And then you put them all back in your fucking pocket to find another table to dump the problems onto. What's, what are you doing? Rather than trying to fix your issues or trying to solve them or even trying to avoid them, what it seems like is that you enjoy this process of pulling all your problems out, dumping them, and then picking them back up. What type of sense does that make? It doesn't, but it's the habit. And once you're stuck in there, it's difficult to break that, isn't it? Your inner voice, this being inside of you, the you inside of you, it should be special, don't you think? It should be reserved for certain people. It shouldn't be something that everybody hears. And you can't call that just being outgoing or being friendly because you are sharing your inner voice with other people. And you can't take an inner voice back. I talk about this concept a lot, this thing of chipping away at the soul. It's not necessarily a bad thing to chip away at the soul, but sharing your soul with people. If you try to take it back, you're going to leave residue behind. You're going to come back with a soul that's not 100% anymore, and they're going to have a piece of whatever the fuck you left behind. And this goes both ways, of course. You're going to be stuck with whatever the fuck they left behind, too. And at the end of the life, when you're a mishmash of different people with different concepts, different ideas, and your soul is some 
crazy blend that is no longer pure and untainted in quotation marks. Like if you if you care about this, if you care about I don't even know what you would care about. If you cared about being normal, if you wanted to fit in, if you wanted to uphold the societal standards that are set, then you would behave your inner voice, you would monitor it, and you would put it on your mask. But if you don't care about societal norms, then this inner voice, this authentic you, it should be more than just this entanglement of trauma and issues that you dump out over and over again. The way that I look at problems are like Sudoku puzzles, where every time you pull it out to look at it, something else should be solved. You fill in a box here, you fill in a box there. Something should be solved, and then you put the puzzle away. You bring it back out another day. You tackle this over time, very small incremental steps, and at the end of it, you will have a complete Sudoku puzzle. Now, there's nothing to say that something big could happen in your life and you end up with an entire other fucking puzzle, but when that thing happens, don't you feel like it'd be better if you were juggling just one puzzle at a time instead of two? All these unresolved issues that you have, that you refuse to address, not because you're scared or because you're incapable of doing so, because you simply don't want to. Those should probably be solved before your next step, before the next thing that comes up. And it's okay if it's not. It's, it's okay for you to be incomplete, for your Sudoku puzzle to not be complete instantly. It's okay for this shit to take years. It can take a decade or two, right? Life is long and life is complicated. It's dynamic and it's constantly changing and evolving. It's just the nature of our lives. But that doesn't mean that this process is healthy. This process of dumping your shit out and picking it back up to dump it again. That's not healthy. It's not a good pattern. It's not a good habit. But I understand, I understand the, the comforts of habits, I guess. There's a type of um, security that we get in knowing that the next thing that we do is going to be exactly as it was before. It's, it's scary to change, isn't it? It's difficult. And no matter how willing you are or how much change you want to see, it's still difficult and it always will be difficult. We end up stagnating. But I guess the question is, is it a bad thing to conform to your habits? Is it a bad thing to stagnate? Even though it might have a negative connotation, I, I, I don't think it is. I think there's a type of peace, there's a type of zen that you earn by stagnating. Now you can't stagnate forever. Um, not before a certain point in your life. Like maybe when you have like, I don't know, eight kids and you live in the middle of Kentucky or some shit. But you have to reach that point first. Ideally, what you want is you want to stagnate at your most comfortable. You want to stagnate with a smile on your face. And that's what I want for you. I don't want you to reach this peak um, in high school and then stay there. And then <laughs> everything in your life revolves around this fucking peak. Listen, right? high school was four years of your 80 year life. Four fucking years. A tenth of your fucking lifespan, if even that, was spent here. This, this is not the end for you. Your life is so fucking long. Why are you letting it revolve around this one point? Why don't you grow into doing something else? Because it's hard, that's why. It's difficult. The habit that you formed over those four years, well, the habit just kind of carried on into college, and then after college, it just kind of carried on into your fucking building your career, and after your career, kind of just carried on into your fucking parenting, and after your parenting, it kind of just carried on into your fucking elderly years. Like, it's difficult to break that habit. And the longer it goes on, the more difficult it gets, but ideally, you are happy with the habit that you formed. You are happy with the instinct that you created. And I guess if, if, if you're happy, then that's, that's all I really have to ask of you. 
What I want most is for everyone to have the ability to sit back, not think about anything, and smile. I want for you to reach a stage in your life where nothing can be happening whatsoever. You can be just sitting in your fucking room, doing absolutely nothing, thinking about absolutely nothing, and still smile. I want you to be at the point where when you walk into the bathroom and you look in the mirror, and you see yourself, you smile. Not, not a huge shit-eating grin, but just a small little fucking smirk, maybe. <laughs> And if you can't do that yet, then you still aren't done evolving. You're still not done changing. You still have more changing to do. You have more work to do. And it is work. Changing is work. And I have faith that you'll be able to do it. But you have to take your time. Sudoku puzzle. It is small, incremental things that will gradually change over time. And once the puzzle's complete, you'll know it. I swear to God, you'll know it. Something I was thinking about, um a lot was this concept of maturity because you, you know the, the stigmatized in our society um you're not mature enough to handle xyz and don't worry this isn't fucking pedo bait or some shit i'm not telling you to go out and fuck 17 year olds but what i want to talk more about is the mental maturity in people i've seen people that are like 40 years old still act like they're in high school it kind of goes back to this thing of um, peaking in high school and growing the habit from there and just kind of carrying it on. But it's it's so fucking strange to me how you can be so childish and be so old. But I guess it shouldn't be strange because in truth this is very common. I think what's actually happening with maturity is that the inner voice is still the child like you. That, that person never goes away. And instead what happens is you grow a shell over yourself. A heart of stone. And as you grow older, this stone becomes thicker, more durable. But as you age and you get into your elderly years, the stone starts to slip off. And so the inner voice comes back out. I don't think old people like mentally regress or anything. I don't think there's any type of age regression going on there. I think they just drop the charade. I think this they drop this mask of maturity. And I think maturity actually is bullshit when you think about it like this, isn't it? Because in truth, when, when we talk about maturity, a lot of people use a lot of different definitions. But what I've always seen maturity as, um, well, maturity as, is this thing of, hmm, how do I explain this? Okay. Maturity isn't when you sit there and let people shit talk you, right? Maturity isn't where your emotions go to die. Maturity is when you can rationalize these feelings and understand why you feel the way you do. This process of growing up, um, in our society anyway, is actually just building the shell so that your inner voice isn't hurt. And when your inner voice isn't hurt and you can analyze these things, when you can take a step back and look at how you're feeling, that is the process of growing up. And ideally, that's, that's the stage we all reach, but for some reason, maturity and growing up is all so very vague, you know? I'm not sure why that is. Maturity is very fucking important. It's, it's important to tackle all of life's hurdles. All of them. The ability to analyze and comprehend and absorb the way you feel. It's so, so important. But we don't take stock of that. No, instead, what we attribute maturity to is age. We say, well, you're, um, you're 30. You must be acting this way. And in order to conform, we, we pretend to act that way. But that's not how we feel, right? That, that, that act of pretending to act your age, that's, that's putting on the armor. That's disobeying the inner voice and saying, this is how I have to pretend to act to fit in. It's, it's the social act. And I know there's, um, I think I've read something psychological about this, but I can't remember the term. But there was definitely a study about this, this idea of, um, maybe it was young. I think it was Carl Young. Maybe. I'm not sure. Either way, this act that we put on, it's so, it's tragic in a way. And because the act has progressed so fucking far, it feels like nobody knows that we're acting anymore. <laughs> you know? Like some, some of the actors forgot that they were on a stage, but that's what's going on. 
your maturity and everything that um could be called your maturity in question quote, quotation marks not question marks jesus christ um it's it's fake and i think that's difficult to swallow for some people because they believe in this act they believe in this mask it, it took me a while to come to this conclusion because like i've never felt like humans were innocent beings you know i've never felt like that I, i've always had this thought that not that we're like parasites of the earth or some shit, um, but I've never considered us innocent. I thought that the thing that transforms over the course of your life, this this maturity, this act, that is your inner voice growing, changing into something else. But in truth, the inner voice never changes. And it <laughs> that that's beyond surprising to me. It's impossible to me that the inner voice doesn't change, but it doesn't. You You hide it, you mask it up. It's an entire other discussion of like, if we should mask our inner voice, but I already touched on that. I don't want to talk about that again today. I guess it's just, it bothers me how desperate some people are to appear mature, to have this mask of complexity. It bothers me that some people are trying to grow up before they're ready to grow up. You aren't ready to grow up because of your fucking age. You're ready to grow up once you reach a stage in your life. And that stage isn't age bound. That's not school bound. It's mental bound. And when you reach it, you reach it. Something that I've always thought um, is like, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll explain this point with a story. So when I was 10 years old or so, my mom and my aunt would sit at the kitchen table um, talking about God knows what. I, I couldn't understand it back then. But I remember asking them, what are you guys talking about? And they said, don't dip into their conversation. If, if you're not black, you don't know what this is. Hell, even if you're black, um, you have to be Southern black. But dipping is being nosy, nosing into someone's conversation. They said, don't be, don't dip. Um, and I was like, well, that's unreasonable. <laughs> why, 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 why can't I dip? It's telling what's going on. Um, and they're like, listen, you can ask about the conversation when you're 13. I was like, fine, whatever. Fuck. And so uh, I was 13. Um, they were having a conversation again. And I was like, what are you guys talking about? And they, they told me what they were talking about, granted. Um, and then I tried to comment on it. And they're, they're, they're like, ah, you can't talk about what you're dipping into until you're 16. I'm like, what kind of bullshit is that? <laughs> Man, I... <laughs> And when 16 came, they were having the conversation again, and this time I just jumped in, and they couldn't do anything about it. This, I, I think what opened my eyes there is that for them, all that mattered was my age. The day that I hit a certain number, I was able to do these things. But when you compare my mental, when we're talking about the things that I know, the things that I say, the things that I do, the things that I value, the things that I respect, in truth, the me right now that's sitting here talking into this microphone, speaking to you, is the exact same me that was there at that kitchen table when I was 10 years old. Nothing has fucking changed for me. Well, in internally, I guess. <laughs> Well, hell, even, even that's not true. Internally, I have had some changes. But my point is that the me speaking to you right now is not some stupid, mindless kid. It's still me. It's the me from back then. It's me again. I remember everything that I said back then. I remember everything that was said to me. And it's still me. Why, why the fuck? <laughs> it's like we treat children like they're not sentient. Like, like they're not actual human beings. Like they're not conscious of themselves. Like they're not aware of themselves. But that's not fucking true. If you have any type of long-term memory, when should children earn long-term memory? Six years old, right? As soon as they hit six years old, hell, kindergarten starts when you're five years old. So it's gotta be earlier than that. It's gotta be even earlier. Holy shit. Because I remember kindergarten. I remember my fucking teacher. And I remember the, um, the older kids that come into the class to help us um, read and shit. So how old? I'm just gonna say like four. No, because I remember preschool as well. Three of them. 
As soon as, as soon as we start retaining long-term memories, that child is no longer just some fucking animal, okay? <laughs> and we gotta stop thinking like that. We, we, we gotta stop thinking like these kids don't know what the fuck they're doing or talking about until a certain age. That's not what's happening. Because if you can remember what you were doing as a child, you can remember your decisions and your thought process back then. Then that, that same, that's when you were born. That's when the inner voice was born. And that thing stayed around. It stuck around for a long time and it's still here. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I kind of touched on this a bit um, earlier, but it took me a while to come to terms with the fact that, well, it's, it's not even a fact, it's a belief. I believe that, in truth, that inner voice, it does stay pure, like, like I touched on before. Um, and I, I kind of want to expand on that. A theme that I think you, um, you'll see, or hear, rather is this theme of the struggle to be a good person. Even now, I still, I still think being a good person is difficult. Oh, so very fucking difficult. And so I do not expect you to be a good person, but I also do not expect you to be a bad person. I do not expect you to be an evil little fucking goblin who follows their id to the greatest extent. Uh, I have to explain that, don't I? Okay, so I'm a subscriber of um, Jungian psychology in a lot of different ways. But one of the, um, actually, this is Carl Jung that does this, right? The super ego shit? I think that's him. I'm pretty sure that's him. I'm going to be very embarrassed if it's not him. I'm going to look fucking stupid if it's not him. But there's this concept in Jungian psychology called the, um, the three egos. I can't remember the fucking name. <laughs> Whatever. So there's three parts of the consciousness. There is the ego, the superego, and the id. Um, the ego is your consciousness. That's the inner voice. That's you. Um, it's the being that was born into this world and was formed into a sentient being. That's your ego. The id is your animalistic instinct. It's your nature. It's your hormones. It's the things that your body tells you to do. Read, eat, sleep. It's <laughs> that's, that's really the fucking base of them. And then your superego is the stone the heart of stone is the mask that you put on your persona is what you use to fit into society so touching on that why i think it's difficult to be a good person is because training this super ego is so fucking difficult we are not inherently good we are inherently neutral we're, we're neutral beings the ego is you and the ego is neutral the super ego th this thing you have to train it into being good all the while fighting against the id and while the ego and the id can exist, no fucking issue, the superego is the one that's fighting to fit in. It's constantly fighting against the id, it's constantly fighting to fit into societal norms. Your superego is difficult. It's, it's our nature to want to be free, but the superego will go against that. And that's why it's difficult to be good. It's difficult to be good because of our inherent nature. Down to our fucking hormones is difficult. Like this, this concept of utopia, I've always considered it to be impossible without a severe restriction on freedom because in our, it's not in our nature to conform to societal standards. We have to build a mask to do that, which is crazy. Our instincts are not to conform to society. <laughs> our instincts to do whatever the fuck we want to do. However children act, that's the id. And think about the shit you have to teach children not to do. How many times have you had to tell your kid no? How much shit is that's a lot. That's that's a lot of training you have to do just to get them up to par with normal people. And then you want them to be good. Yeah, fuck off. No way. No way. 
I think instead of expecting people to be kind, the more realistic expectation is to expect people to be neutral or hostile. And that's that's usually what I subscribe to. And it, it sounds a bit fucked, doesn't it? It sounds a bit fucked to expect people to be neutral or hostile and expect no good people in the world. But I think I think it's realistic to think that way. I can't begin to think of a world where everyone is good, and that's why I don't subscribe to certain ideals like communism, for example, because and socialism, they're, they're both built on this idea that people are inherently good, but that's not true. In truth, there will always be someone that's trying to get one leg up. There will always be somebody that's challenging the current status quo. There's always going to be a criminal. You can teach people to not kill all the fuck you want, to not steal all the fuck you want, to not rape all the fuck you want, but people will still do it. It's, it's not in our nature to be good, and then all of a sudden we have a fucking mutation and we do whatever the fuck we want. No, it's in our nature to do whatever the fuck we want. And if, if you don't understand that nature, if you don't understand that human instinct, then whenever you try to create utopia, you try to create a better society, you end up hitting a fucking wall. And you can't comprehend it. Why is this wall here? What's going on? Why am I getting fucked up? Now, I think some people get fooled into thinking that human nature is the way it is, and so nothing has meaning. Like, they, they, they somehow swing from human nature into nihilism, like, instantly. Like, it, it's one of the most common fucking slopes that lead into nihilism, is this thing of, well, nobody's kind, nobody's nice. The world's not sunshine, rainbows, and unicorns, so it must be nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like how, how, what type of fucking sense does that make? What type of sense does it make for you to go not to the opposite of kindness, but to emptiness, to entropy? What, what type of fucking sense does that make? It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. But I think it's something that we have to tackle anyway. That's right. I'm, I'm finally doing a talk on nihilism. Not, not the fucking little snippets and tidbits that you've gotten here and there. I'm, I'm, I'm facing this shit head on. Listen, nihilism is probably the dumbest fucking thing for humans to ever believe. Remember, nihilism isn't that everything is bad. Nihilism means nothing. Nothing has meaning. I, I don't know if you can comprehend nothingness. It's a bit fucking, bit difficult, I think. Like, nihilism isn't just this angst, you know? It's not angst. It's not edginess. And like, some people, they pretend to be nihilistic by saying they feel numb. You're not feeling numb because you're still feeling. Even numb is a feeling, that, that fucking buzzing feeling in your limbs as you get up because your fucking circulation was cut off because you were fucking sitting weird, that's numb. But you're still feeling, okay? If your limb is cut off, if you know, if you lose one of your fucking fingers, it's not numb anymore, is it? No, it's gone. That's what nihilism is. It's gone. It's empty. The act of believing nothing has meaning. 90% of the people who say they're nihilistic aren't actually fucking nihilistic. Because you still feel. Feeling numb is a feeling, alright? That, that, that's why I really want to fucking hammer home. You're not feeling nihilistic, so stop calling it that. You're feeling sad, you're feeling depressed, you're feeling washed up, you feel like shit. But you feel. So when I say this concept of feeling nothing, I, I want you to really understand how scary that is. To feel nothing. Not numb, nothing. I think this this thing of what is the meaning of life, right? The, well, one, of the, one of the first questions that nihilistic people, in quotation marks, nihilistic, they're not actually nihilistic, fake nihilists. The first question fake nihilists asked, what is the meaning of life, right? Of course, if you're nihilistic, if you're a fake nihilist, you don't believe in religion. So what's the meaning? Um, I guess it depends on who the fuck you ask. What, what, what's, what's crazy is that we're so fucking vague on the meaning of life that for some reason nobody has an answer still. I can tell you the fucking answer. Um, it depends on who you are, right? If you are somebody that really likes 
biology, for example, then you can just say the meaning of life is for us to have children and propagate our species. And that's it, okay? And if that's if that's the meaning of life for you, great, all right? That means that you are really interested in us becoming like a spacefaring race and infecting every fucking um, planet in our solar system with our presence, um, may maybe even beyond the Milky Way galaxy, right? Because your meaning of life is to have kids and then fuck off, which is, that's, that's not a bad meaning, right? Some people, the meaning of life is to be happy, and so they become hedonists. They do everything and anything that is pleasurable for the sake of having pleasure. Because a life without pleasure is not a life worth living. If that's the life you want to live, then so be it. What I'm, what I'm driving home here is that the meaning of life is what you decide the meaning of life is. That's the freedom of our species. We are allowed to make whatever the fuck we want the meaning of our lives. And you can disagree with it all you want, but it doesn't fucking subtract from somebody else's meaning. If the meaning for my life, if, if, if my magnum opus, my goal, my number one thing that I want to do is to, I don't know, buy some fucking property, then as soon as I have that, I'm fulfilled. And if you're fulfilled, then you left, you've led a good fucking life. The, the ability to die happy, the ability to die knowing that everything is complete, do you know how fucking difficult that is? You don't, you don't need to chase some insane fucking meaning in life. If you want to speak objectively, yeah, sure, it's propagating the species, okay? But subjectively, you can make it wherever the fuck you want, and that's so magical. It's so magical because it means that when you die, you will be happy, which is not something that happens a lot. <laughs> a lot of people die unfulfilled and not ready to go and wishing that they did things when they were younger or wishing that they took took bigger risks and that they broke out of their fucking shell that's what people die wishing what type of shit is that huh the meaning of life is what you make it okay it really is and knowing that it makes nihilism even more fucking stupid because essentially what's happening with people that are actually nihilistic is that they took the meaning of life and they started ignoring it <laughs> Or they just couldn't fucking find one. And it's like, if you can't find one, make it up. Make it the fuck up. Create it. Make your meaning. I've, I've used this phrase a couple times. Create your own happiness. Make your own happiness. You, you can't sit here and hope for happiness to fall into your fucking lap. You have to, you have to grab it. Yet you have to walk into the fucking door. The door does not come to you. You go to the door. And nihilistic people, we... I say we. That's not me anymore. There's this issue, this this incongruence in our heads where the feeling of wanting to create your happiness is gone. It's absent. And if you can't find it and you can't feel it, then you failed, didn't you? And if you failed, then why are you still here? Shouldn't you just kill yourself right now? No, because what we don't account for is time and we change over time, right? Listen, you were not always nihilistic. Once upon a time, you were a fucking happy-go-lucky kid. You had your down days and you had your up days. You cried, but you laughed. You were not always like this. And so it's beyond fucking stupid to think that you will continue to always be like this. Isn't it? Isn't it fucking stupid to think that you will continue to be like this? Do you really think that in 20 years you will still be nihilistic? Shut the fuck up. It's not true. You're lying to yourself. You're lying to yourself because you want to feel like even worse than you already feel. But that entire that entire want to feel worse than you already feel goes inherently against what nihilism is. Remember, nihilism is feeling nothing. If you feel bad, you're a bad nihilist. You're a fuck up of a nihilist. So stop calling yourself that. You're sad today. 
You were sad this month. You were sad this year. You've been sad since COVID. You've been sad since college. You've been sad since high school. But you will not always be sad. Even in these years where you've been sad, you will. there were times where you were happy, and I know that's fucking true. I know there are times where you fucking laughed. You did not wake up every fucking morning with a frown on your face. Don't fucking lie to me about this, yeah? You had times where you were happy. You had times where you were joyful. And it's beyond, it's not beyond stupid. It's incredibly stupid to sit here and act like those times didn't fucking happen. You're coping. So instead of being even more stupid, labeling yourself as nihilist, wallowing around your fucking angst, why not just process it? I'm not telling you to be happy-go-lucky. I'm not telling you to fucking clack your heels together and go to Wonderland, right? Because that's difficult. But what I expect from you is to be mature, to process and rationalize these feelings, why you feel these ways. And after you process it, maybe then you can do something about it, right? I don't know why I got so impassioned there. <laughs> um, but what, what I'm trying to say without yelling at you, right? Because I don't mean to yell at you. I apologize. I can be intense at times. This is true, actually. Um, I have, um, I've always been really intense and my, my, my intensity that's my inner voice <laughs> my inner voice has always been um chaotic i guess but I've, I've, I've learned to come to grips with that my inner voice is um obsessive wrathful petty vindictive but that's not all it is it's also charitable caring loyal and everybody has their inner voice like this you know what i'm trying to tell you is that your life is a combination of goods and bads of ups and downs it's a combination of lights and darks and you have no reason to rush to an early grave because you've come to the conclusion a false conclusion that life is meaningless it is not only objectively incorrect for say for you to say life is meaningless but it should be subjectively incorrect as well and if it's not subjectively incorrect, then you can at least look at the obje objective fact that, hey, your job is to perpetuate the human race. You haven't had kids yet. You have no business saying life is meaningless. You've, you're, you're not there yet. You're not there. Like, j j just some the objective measurement. You're, you're not there. You don't know. You, you can't say it one way or the other. So what are we doing? What, what are we doing wallowing in our fucking despair when you're wrong? Let's, let's, let's process the things that are actually wrong with you. Let's figure out what's actually wrong with you and move on. Let's slowly fill in the pieces of the Sudoku puzzle and move on. Let's stop walking around in the fucking darkness thinking that there's nothing but darkness. There's actually a lot of fucking light. You, like some people, they think they're walking around the fucking shadow realm. There's no sun. That's not the fucking case. What's actually happening is you're walking around in the shadows of a building. And as soon as you walk out of the fucking shadow, the entire world is light, isn't it? Like. You can't honestly believe that it's all shadow. You cannot truly believe that. Like, I'm a fucked up guy. Even I don't think the world is all shadow. The world's day and night. It has times where it's dark. But it becomes day again, doesn't it? I'm becoming intense again. <laughs> Listen, I, I hope... I hope I broke through to you. It took me a lot of time to process nihilism and feeling that way. And nobody ever taught me this. Nobody ever sat down to talk to me about the actual meaning of life. Not just the objective metric of the meaning of life, but this thing of making your own happiness. I, I, didn't, I didn't learn that until my mom made an offhanded comment in high school. And even then, it, it still took me years to fully absorb the impact of that. How you have to grab the happiness that you want. I'll, I'll talk about that more in a future episode, I guess, but you're not nihilistic, okay? And this this darkness that surrounds you, this this suffocating feeling like nothing is getting right, the sun comes up again. I know that sounds fucking corny, but the sun does come up again. I promise you it does. It takes time, so just wait out the night, because when day breaks, you're going to be happy as shit, and you're going to say, damn, I almost missed Diablo 4. I thought that was going to be a shit show. Okay. <laughs>
Can I, can I talk about this? All right, it's the end of the episode. All right, you can fuck off. Now I'm going to talk about the games I've been downloading. All right, <laughs> right now I'm downloading Diablo 2 Resurrected and Path of Exile. Listen, I have I have never been a fan of Diablo 2. I'd um my best friend in high school. Um, I would always we would go over to his house and play Diablo 2 Lord of Shadows on his fucking PC, and that shit was fucking. It was it was kind of clean. It was kind of clean when I was playing it with them, but when I played it on my own, I was like, man, this shit's trash. <laughs> This is garbage. Um, I, I don't know what's up, but okay. I, I, I'm going through a phase right now where I'm going to play. Uh, I've been playing older games, games that have come out um like in the past. I don't know, ten years. I say I say ten years like it's older. Jesus Christ, ten years. Fuck. Anyway, uh, I've been going through playing boomer shooters. I've been playing some Deus Ex. Not not new Deus Ex. I'm talking classic Deus Ex. I'm playing with the revision mod. Um, I've I've been just going through this fucking phase, and I came, I came back to um Diablo 2 because I wanted to get into Path of Exile, which I notoriously have a bad time with. If if we're talking about like Diablo likes, my favorite so far is Lost Ark. They really fucked up the monetization here in the U.S. Um, the North America release. They had they had a battle pass. I don't know what the fuck is up with that. And I'm still mad that I still can't play. Um, what was it? Male Glavier? Yeah, because they gender locked the fucking classes. Like it's Terra again. I don't know why they still do this. What's up with Koreans and gender locking their classes? There's no customization either. Anyway, Lost Ark is my Diablo choice, right? Because I put down Diablo 3, um, that shit got boring after three seasons. Three seasons in a row, still running the exact same fucking riffs. I recognize its house. That's, that's, that shit was dull as hell, right? Ironic, because Warframe is perfectly fine. I, I, I don't know why that is, <laughs> but okay. Anyway, um, I I started branching out into Diablo 2 because it popped up in my YouTube feed. Um, and wow, I I think I fucking get it. Now, mind you, Diablo 2 Resurrected, um, is panned by fans. Like, fans really shit talk this game. But I'm sitting here like, it's not bad. I I, I don't know. I, I kind of like it. I I realize like I've been on the the offside a couple times now. I like I personally like Obi Wan Kenobi. I thought that was a good show. I didn't. It didn't bother me that they didn't age down um Hayden Christensen as much as she should have been. It didn't bother me. And I, I I liked the entire Inquisitor thing. But then again, I also like Jedi Fallen Order. I still, I loved Cal Cal Kestrus. Oh God, I loved it. All right. So I had a good time with Obi Wan Kenobi. I I had a good time with Fallen Order. I had a good time with Diablo Two Resurrected. I thought. I thought it was fun. Um, <laughs> and like, I'm, I'm, I'm very conscious of bad practices in the industry. For, for example, I have an ongoing, um, ongoing boycott against EA and Ubisoft. And that boycott ends when Uplay dies and when Origin dies. But I've been on this boycott for like 13 years. And I'm, I, I stand by this so fucking much because Uplay and Origin are what let EA and Ubisoft be as scummy as they are with their practices. You can be pretty shitty on Steam as well. Like, um, look at Paradox and the absorbent fucking prices they have, um, have you pay for the DLCs. Jesus, fuck that, right? Hold on. I'm way off topic. Diablo 2. Alright, th th this podcast has to end. This episode has to end eventually. I I'm just going to talk about this real quick, and then I'm fucking off because Path of Exile is done delay. Okay? Real quick. So, I got back into Diablo 2. I thought it was pretty fucking good. Um... The they don't have seasons. They have leagues. I'm sorry, ladders. No, leagues is path of exile. Fuck. They have ladders. Um, this is the most bare bones shit I've ever fucking seen in my life. Um, e even the things that you unlock from the season, ladder. Um, it becomes accessible to all normal players like one ladder later. Like why? You gotta do better than this. In Diablo three, we had cosmetics every um every season. That that was the benefit. There are no cosmetics in Diablo two. And I don't expect it to be, because it's a fucking remake of a game, right? But I, I, it's, it's, it's not scratching all the itch. Not all of it. And so I decided to get into Path of Exile. Whew. 
this this shit's com. I always knew it was complex. Like the moment I saw that fucking skill tree of passives, I'm like, oh yeah, this is gonna be complex. In truth, um, it's it's not actually that complex. That that big dumb skill web is actually segmented into three parts, and those parts give you like one percent bonus movement speed. Like what the fuck am I gonna do with one percent? But that takes up an entire node, and like if you if you condense that entire skill tree down, it's like. I don't know, a few thousand percent. It's, it's, it's actually not that much. Um, and the, the really complicated part is the skill gems and shit, but that's, that's an entire thing. I'm not here to give you a lecture. Anyway, I'm getting into Path of Exile. I think it's pretty fucking cool so far. Um, they added controller support, so it's actually fucking playable. That's mainly what's been holding me back, is that I hate clicking on the fucking enemies. What type of shit? Even in League of Legends, you can press the A button on your keyboard, and it'll auto-attack the nearest minion or enemy. Right? I don't want to have to manually fucking click on the enemies like I'm a caveman, right? If I'm playing Diablo games, I'm playing it with the fucking controller. Controller lets me fucking auto-aim, which is what I want, alright? We, we, we are not in the 1960s. It makes no fucking sense for me to have to click on the enemies like a fucking knuckle-dragon Neanderthal. Give me a break. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy the shit out of this, though. Um, Path of Exile 2 is coming out in 2024, I think. Um, and I'm actually going to get kind of excited for that, because I, I hear they're reworking a lot of the systems, especially that fucking skill tree. Um, I'm very interested to see where they take the series. Um, I know fans have been shit-talking the game, but I think they're shit-talking from a place of privilege. This is a good game. Alright, these developers really love y'all, alright? <laughs> I, I have some fucking developers that I wish loved us half as much, alright? Um, fucking Gear Grind Games, where the fuck their name is. They're, they're, they're good developers. I like these guys. I, I like their um, business practices too. Um, for a free-to-play game on this scale that gives us new content every four months and like huge new content, um, the fact that they're restricting themselves to only cosmetics, Oof, that's good. That's good. Good free-to-play design. Not like MapleStory, which completely fucked everything up. I'm not getting into that. I'm not getting into how much I made. Oh, fuck, I'm not getting into that. Alright? Hey. Um, I've been Phoenix. This has been Sticker Book. Um, I'll talk to you next time. Okay? <laughs>